May he have dominion from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. May all kings fall down before him, all nations serve him. Welcome back, Dominion, episode 21. Alex Klusterman, welcome back. Good to be here. It's good to be here. Actually, I don't know why I'm welcoming you, because we're neither of us are at home. No, that's true. So, um, welcome to this space. Well, welcome to you as well. <laughs> You're welcome. You're very welcome. Well met, as they, as they say in old-timey books. <laughs> nice. Well, we're uh, moving along here. We are going to talk about uh, a couple topics tonight, mm-hmm. and we're going to sort of start by giving a, a, maybe a brief recap of what's happening with the Tim Stevens uh, situation out in Alberta. Yeah. And how um, how justice is not being done. And we kind of want to use that as a bit of an object lesson for mm-hmm. uh, justice, uh, God's law, that sort of thing. So I guess to give a brief outline, um, was it about eight weeks ago Tim was originally arrested uh, the first time? Right. I don't uh, know the was, timeline, but yeah, he was arrested once. He was arrested, uh, held for maybe a day or two. Illegally. Think, illegally. or uh, Actually, they let him out pretty quick, but he was it was an illegal arrest. I think it was three days total. Was it he three was three days? Okay. And then uh, his lawyers went in uh, and basically said he was arrested under an injunction that didn't even have didn't his name apply on to it. him. It's like if uh, the cops got a, a warrant to search your neighbor's house and then they came into your house yeah. instead. That's exactly That's what it's like. kind of what happened, right? Yes. And so um, the judge said, yeah, this doesn't apply to him and let him go and they threw the whole thing out. Uh, since then, they had their church building closed and they began meeting outside. And three weeks ago now, they were meeting outside and uh, helicopters sort of uh, swarmed over top and kind of found their location and... The next day, the cops went to his house and arrested him mm-hmm. under the same injunction, the first, the one that didn't apply the first time. Mm-hmm. So now, uh, as of now, Tim's been in jail for almost three weeks. Illegally detained, and he's been in for several weeks, yeah. Over two weeks. I think it was two weeks on Monday. Okay. So, uh, And he had a hearing on Monday, or he was supposed to have a hearing on Monday, and he, uh, his lawyer basically went in and there was no hearing. The judge basically just uh, changed the date and pushed it back two weeks. Yeah. So I believe it's the 12th or the 13th. He'll be back in court again. And this isn't even to try the case. It's basically just to set to, the court date. To set the court date. Um, so there's not even a guarantee that he would be released on that date, on the 12th, when he's in court. So we want to obviously continue to pray. Uh, mm-hmm. There's uh, his wife, Raquel, and the eight kids. I mean, eight kids without a father right now. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, reading some of her tweets and stuff is pretty heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. Uh, they missed, uh, he was in jail for their anniversary, for Father's Day, and who knows what other events that they're missing at the moment. But uh, obviously, we're uh, thankful for God's mercy and for his uh, sustaining grace that he's giving. Mm-hmm. And uh, we know that the congregation there is probably rallying around and and doing their best to uh, to provide for them in, mm-hmm. in all the ways. So, But uh, regardless, we want to use this to talk about justice. And this is a growing trend in Canada and in the States as well, but more so in Canada, where the authorities are flagrantly um, ignoring our, our charter rights and mm-hmm. our laws. Mm-hmm. Not even just the, the charter, but just mm-hmm. due process, all of these things that we've taken for granted. Mm-hmm. They're simply just ignoring them. Uh, and there's no recourse for the uh, defendants or the the accused, and so this is um, 
to me, this is this is a really bad trend when you get authorities that don't abide by any rules and are not held accountable uh, by anyone, by the courts especially. The courts are support, uh, you know, supposed to be the referees in situations like this and say, uh, you know, the, the cops or the health authorities have stepped over their boundaries. And, but it seems like they're all kind of working in concert. Um, so I wanted to just read a couple real quick references from the Old Testament about justice. And, you know, we take, we take our cues from the Old Testament regarding a lot of this stuff. And um, if you look at our, our judicial system in North America and in Western cultures, it is derived from a careful study of God's law in the Old Testament. Um, the, you know, due process, property rights, mm-hmm. freedom of speech, these things don't just happen no. in pagan in pagan societies. No. These are uh, uh, a product of the Christian worldview. Yes. And they, they're a product of verses like these. So we'll take the first one, Leviticus 19, uh, verse uh, 13... Uh, no, verse 15. You shall do no injustice in court. You shall not be partial to the poor or defer to the great, but in righteousness shall you judge your neighbor. Mm-hmm. So here we have an injunction not to either be partial to a poor person or a rich person mm-hmm. because we all might have uh, a, you know, a bone to pick, right? Which no. is what we would say is equality under the law. Right. It doesn't matter who you are. You're, it's the same standards going to apply. Yeah, no and you're partiality. Gonna, yeah, judge with righteousness, which means judging according to God's rule. So that's one. Uh, another one is um, Exodus 12. I marked the page. Now i got to find it again. Exodus 12, 49. There shall be one law for the native and for the sojourner and for the stranger who sojourns among you. And you see this one repeated actually a couple times in the Old Testament, basically saying that you can't have a separate set of laws for the sojourner because they're, uh, they're, in, a, they're in a strange place. They're probably uh, going to be facing some type of discrimination and mm-hmm. that shouldn't be exacerbated. Mm-hmm. So there's just a couple examples of God's law. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, we couldn't say necessarily that those were being... Um, broken in the case of Tim Stevens, but uh, these are examples of how God wants justice to be done. Yeah. And and the reason that is, is because God is a God of justice and righteousness. Every read in Psalm 89, 14, righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Mm-hmm. Steadfast love and faithfulness go before you. And again, in Jeremiah 9, 24, but let him who boasts, boast in this, that he understands and knows me. That I am the Lord who practices steadfast love, justice, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, declares the Lord. One of the implications of the fact that God is a God of justice and righteousness is that the He is the standard of justice. And <clears throat> this is something you mentioned as we move away from a Christian worldview and we forsake it, we will necessarily forsake justice because justice, by its very nature, uh, requires that... So so the practice of justice in a human level requires a transcendent standard, mm-hmm. necessarily, which is why even in our charter it says that this charter is you know, predicated upon the uh, supremacy of God and the rule of law. 
because there has to be something that our laws are based upon. Yeah, or, our else, laws, or else they're arbitrary, or else they're arbitrary. They're cultural. They can be. They can be changed. Yeah. But according to Scripture, God Himself is a God of justice and righteousness, and His Word reveals to us what justice and righteousness are. And this is super important because um, this is the only foundation for actually uh, upholding the individual rights and freedoms right. and dignity and worth um, of every single person. Yeah. And uh no you don't get you don't get personal dignity and worth from slime emerging no, from no, a puddle. No, you all you have is the exercise of power and preferences. That's right. And um but the Christian faith came along as somewhat of a unicorn and says, you know, no every single person is created in the image of God, therefore has inherent Dignity and worth, and equal dignity of worth, which is why God's law is expressed in the Old Covenant. The righteousness of God that was enshrined there forbid partiality mm-hmm. for towards people based on their economic status. And and this is very easy to do. I mean, it is, it is like we even do this all the time. Think about when you are walking downtown, if you see someone pull up, um, you know, in a in a nice car. And they get out versus someone walking by with, you know, not nice clothes or something. Yeah. Do or if we're honest, do we not make assumptions about those people? Moral assumptions, um, sadly, which which impact our judgments of them. And it's easy, or even just self interest. You know, a poor man. What can a poor man do for you? But a wealthy man with their right. power and their right. money. So. Yeah, the fact the the Christian worldview offers a standard for justice, and all justice requires a standard, and that's God. Mm-hmm. So as we forsake this, and we the the crazy thing is we're still trying to talk about justice. I mean, the social justice right. movement, so called, um, is blowing up for several reasons. One, because humanity can't escape. It's longing for justice and righteousness, yep. but apart from Christ and in sin, that actually gets distorted. Mm-hmm. And so we see things today like no one is really saying much about Pastor Tim. It's an illegal arrest. Yeah. He's been illegally detained. I saw a celebrity today was just released after two years for, you know, he, he raped many people, right? And I saw this this lady also went to jail for three years instead of 14. And she was part of this cult, which abused um, many people. Yep. It's like, and it's like you get three years and this guy's in a maximum security penitentiary mm-hmm. and he hasn't even been accused of uh, convicted of crimes and he's been illegally. He's detained. got a parking ticket essentially. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> a parking ticket. And, uh, and uh, I mean, part of the injustice of it all is that, as of tomorrow, the province is wide open, right? Yeah. All, all restrictions gone because uh, you got the you know you got the Calgary Stampede coming up, and you know good on them for fighting for their rights. But yeah, it's it's only a temporary reprieve we would yeah. imagine. But uh, as that's all happening, he's still sitting in jail. Yeah, for an indefinite amount of time. And I think a big reason why Christians in Canada don't say more about this one, it would be an indictment on them. 
because Pastor Tim is a righteous man with a righteous cause, and most Canadian Christians have not taken his stance. So it's hard to support a guy that you are publicly, uh, or at least in your actions, opposed to his actions. The other thing, though, is is privilege. And the rule of law, um, that is to say that we are governed by a standard and not by an opinion of people. That is a Christian idea, and that is a a, a historical unicorn. Mm -hmm. And what human nature is prone to and what history of human political uh, experience and legal experience is, is that we are subject to the rule of uh, uh, of people. You know, what their opinions, preferences, judgments are. And that places, um, you know, people who are not in power in a very vulnerable position. But Canadians, most, you, you were saying on the way over here, why do people not care? Because they can still go to Costco, they can go golfing, yep. they can go to their cottage, they can go to their grocery store. If they still they just get do, your Netflix and your... If you just comply... You know. Yeah. Then nothing will, nothing will happen to you. And sadly, the human proclivity is to give, not give a rip about injustice, yeah. unless it happens to us. Mm. And this is this is just to read some scriptures. God rebukes His people for this over and mm-hmm. over and over. He says, "Wash yourselves." Isaiah one. 16, make yourselves clean. Remove the evil of your deeds from before my eyes. Mm. Cease to do evil. Learn to do good. Seek justice. Correct oppression. Bring justice to the fatherless. Mm. Plead the widow's cause. Advocacy. It's it's a positive action. Yes, you you can't remain indifferent. And this is a refrain all through the prophets. All through the prophets. It is almost on every page. Uh, just about God, want, he's you know, I'm I'm going to bring judgment on you guys. Yeah. You know, hey, you guys better start walking right. And, you know, how long am I going to uh, allow this bloodshed in the land? Talk about the, the blood of innocence being spilt. I mean. I their to, indifference towards yeah, injustice. Yeah. Their indifference towards it and just perpetuating crimes. It, yes. One of his, the, the greatest indictments against God's people. And we can, we can. I, can we not relate to this? Yeah. Can we not say that, that? Can we not just acknowledge for ourselves that it, it is easy to turn your eye, it's or to at least not look into it? Um, but according to Scripture, I mean, the righteous man gives careful thought towards the poor, which is to say, he meditates upon the plight and the afflictions and solutions to hmm. care for them. That's what that's what a righteous person does who reflects the righteousness of God. Micah 6, 8, He mm-hmm. has told you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? But to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. You can't say that you walk humbly with a God of justice and righteousness and be indifferent to injustice and unrighteousness. You just yep. can't. Yep. And Christians... I mean, there's many reasons for this. Partly theologically, Christians have bad ideas about uh, works. A lot of Christians, they think there's an aversion to it. Oh, if you if you say that there are moral requirements on us, then you're being legalistic. Yeah, um, That's the law. We're not under law. We're under grace. It's like, well, we are not saved by our works, but we are saved to good works. Saved unto good works. Yeah. And if, Prepared it, beforehand. Exactly. Right. And if you don't walk in good works... 
which is seeking justice, uh, there's no meaningful sense that you are saved. Yeah. Um, you you know, show me your your. Uh, James says that he'll show you his faith by his works. Yeah. And this is our primary argument on Romans 13, right? Yeah. Is that it's talking about uh, your conscience being captive to good works. Yes. Right? Yes, and exactly. So <laughs> this is this is the thrust of our argument, is that we're doing something good. Yes. Well, um, even, <laughs> even in that passage, it's often overlooked. People just say, well, they submit to the government, and they, they cherry-pick a portion of the truth. Yeah. But then they don't realize that Paul goes on to reference the old, the, the law. Yeah, he, he, he almost def- rattles off the, the Decalogue. Yeah, right? it's yeah. like, well, what is good? Like, it's not... What's sta- and he's giving a standard for the authorities to be using exactly. as they're bringing the sword. It's right? not what Caesar thinks is good. Yeah. <laughs> it's not what Caesar thinks is right. It's even the government is under God's law as, as mm-hmm. in the sense of God's righteous standard mm-hmm. as revealed in his word. Now um, we need to flesh that out yeah. in the new covenant, but the, that there is still a standard, and uh, that all humanity is subject to it, and mm. Christians are called to not only abide by it but to uphold it. I don't want to go there quite yet. I want to backtrack to you. You mentioned the social justice movement, yeah, which is a big you know CRT. All this stuff is oh, just yeah. blowing up in the SBC and yeah. the Southern Baptist Convention, all that right now. So it's kind of a hot topic. And what we're seeing is people read verses like Micah, was it 6, 8 or 8, 6? Yeah. Uh, you know, hey, we're supposed to do justice. Yeah, the life verse of Marxists. These yeah. people say they're doing justice, so we need to be on their side. Yeah, well, they pour- Well, you skipped, you skipped a step. Yeah. You're supposed to do justice, but you got you can't use the world's definition, definition. of justice. That's it. Yeah, and, and so much of the social justice movement is actually injustice. Um, total injustice. <laughs> like, and and you know what they're open about it. So like yeah. that Ibram X Kendi guy, he's basically advocating for reverse discrimination. Yeah. He's saying yeah. we have to discriminate in order to right the wrongs of the past. Yes. He's very open about yeah. it. Yeah. And so that this is what we're up against is people that are uh thinking that more injustice will um will right the wrongs of the past. Or or um, due process right. and innocent until proven guilty. Those are not only set aside. If you bring up those things, say... Uh, That's whiteness. Say even with the... <laughs> yeah, say the guy who was recently... Um, say there's a shooting or something happens. If you even just say, we should wait until we get the facts yeah. in order to judge this, this, this sentence, people will turn around on you as if you yeah. are a Nazi, and you hate justice. But it's Even like, though nine times out of ten, the, the narrative completely changes. Like the, I, I don't know if you heard recently at the gay pride parade, a car slammed in and, yeah, was and a participant. Killed, killed somebody. And they're like, oh, you know, obviously right away, yeah. everybody's flying to Twitter with their, their hot take or whatever. Yeah. But it was just some guy accidentally, you know, an actual, one of the guys that was in the parade, Gay guy slammed yeah. into the parade and killed somebody. Yeah, it wasn't a you know it wasn't a hate crime. Or no, whatever. no. By the way, I hate I hate the term hate crime. Yeah, um, all crimes are are hateful. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So it's it's like it, under the guise of justice, yeah. it's terrible injustice. It, people are doing the same thing that a lynch mom did yeah, in, exactly. back in the day. You know what I mean? It's like you find someone, you judge them without due process, you condemn them, mm-hmm. and if anyone stands in your way. They're opposing justice. Well, that's yeah. profoundly evil. That's mob rule, mob. That's not justice. That's that's what the world has everywhere. 
And what Christianity, one of the, the greatest contributions of Christianity to our culture was principles of justice mm. that fought against that. Yeah. But if you even bring it up now, people people act as though you are standing in the way of justice. Yeah. If you don't let me drag this guy outside right now and hang him up under the tree, you are standing. You are siding with racism. That's it's exactly like, why. No. So many people were lynched in the south. Exactly. They're they're saying, hey, the, the court's not going to give me justice. I'm going to do it myself. Yeah. Exactly. And it was primarily black people, but it was also white people. Yeah. It was about you know one third white to two thirds black. So right. There, obviously, there was a lot of racial motivation there but there was also white people getting lynched yeah. because that's just the way it was done it's just you evil know? it's wickedness yeah. it's uh an arrogance that's saying i am right and my standards of justice apply and you know you know what you know when that falls apart when you're on the receiving end of that. right yeah when that's you're, when you're sitting in jail for two and a half weeks for nothing well exactly yeah. what what it's all it seems all righteous to based on an accusation to condemn someone without due process, without the presumption of innocence, have the presumption of just it's the it's actually the inversion. It's the presumption of guilt. Yeah. And and the presumption of guilt is justice. And if you don't yeah. have the presumption of guilt, you actually are guilty. That's so wicked. Man, this is like it's like projecting, right? Yeah. Because in like we're projecting our own guilt. Yeah. Because everybody's guilty before right. holy God, right? Yeah. And I'm sure we're going to get to this. Um, well, it's also just self-righteousness. Yeah. It's like, if I can find someone who's worse than me, I'm right. better than them. But it's usually not even the case. Right. So I, I've been following the residential school story pretty closely. Yeah. I find it horrific. Yeah. You know, the things that happen. Terrible. There's no, no excuse for that. But the people that are speaking the loudest about it, their solutions are more injustice. Yeah. They don't want just the truth to come out. They don't want justice for people that are still alive. They want, you know, basically they want to cancel Canada. Yeah. And Canada is evil because this. And so now, yeah. and now there's churches burning. I think this fifth church burned uh, yeah. last night. So, that, I mean, that's, that's just more injustice. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, it's not practical solutions no. or, or even realizing that the same problem of tearing kids away from their families uh, and and forcing them to go to school, which is by the way only evil, if there's a God in heaven. Yeah. Uh, if not, then that's fine. We can do that. But that's still happening today, mm -hmm. right? Uh, especially in in some other parts of the world where it's like homeschooling is illegal. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's it's coming here too, right? Oh yeah. Uh, remember, the state, remember the, the state can keep your children safe. Remember the uproar when the parents uh, in Toronto were fighting against the new sex ed curriculum. It's like, no, we don't want you teaching our kids this. No, but we have to because we get to say what we teach your kids. Oh, the government. You know, it's like, yeah, that's the, the same thing yeah. that happened back then. The government still believes the same things they believed yeah. back then. They just don't think it, they should do it with this particular people group, but they're yeah. totally happy doing it to other people groups yeah. because they feel, and they feel like it's actually a matter of justice, a public good, public safety. Yeah. For the kids. Oh yeah, I, I, I won't even I don't need to go into details, but I talked to a family who, who said they had this that exact experience and in courts and everything. Mm. And yeah, so it's like the hypocrisy of the government. You realize this what this was the government of Canada that did this. Yeah. Right? With the Catholic Church. It was the Canadian government. Yeah. And uh everyone's deflecting and it's a horrendous evil, but like you said, by what standard? Yeah. By what the standard, standard of your wrath? Yeah. 
you know, and it's not that we're saying it's it isn't evil. We're saying it is, but we actually have a reason to call it evil. Yeah, and the same reason we think it's evil is the same reason we think that the public school system is bunk. Yeah, and that abortion is is murder. Yeah, right. Like it's not just our opinion. It's it's, it's the same standard. Mm-hmm. You know, neglecting kids and letting them die of starvation or or abusing them is evil for the same reason that ripping a baby yeah. apart in the womb. Is yeah, evil. the hypocrisy of people to decry the heinous evil done to um, indigenous children while demanding that we kill our children yeah. as a human right is the highest, rankest hypocrisy. These people hate other people they don't love them no they don't give a rip about justice they want power they want power and they want to look like they are just which isn't the same thing self-righteousness it's self-righteousness so it's like people need to stop especially christians you know our 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 unbelieving especially the state does not understand justice they don't give a rip about it no so yeah so maybe we can move on from there to um sort of a new covenant view of how do how do we take these the old testament definitions of justice and law how does that apply now um i don't know if you want to go there yet or if you wanted to yeah i mean we'll probably expand upon that we'll we'll just say the the question that a lot of christians raise when we're talking about this is well that's in the old testament and and kind of the assumption is that it no longer applies. And of course, there's a part truth here. I'm going to read from 1 Corinthians uh, 9, and I find this a really helpful passage. Um, Paul says to the Jews, 1 Corinthians 9, verse 20, to the Jews I became as a Jew in order to win Jews. To those under the law, I became as one under the law, though not being myself under the law. There he's using the word law to mean old covenant the old covenant that God had with the Jewish people, that I might win those under the law, or the old covenant. To those outside the law, I became as one outside the law. That's referring to the Gentiles, people who weren't in the old under the old covenant. God did not make a covenant with them. But then he says, not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those outside the law. So here... Paul is using the word law in three ways. He's using the law to mean the old covenant, and he's saying... Like the whole thing? The whole thing. The whole kit and caboodle. Yeah, right. it's just, it's a, it's a covenant. He makes a covenant, and he defines for Israel what he reveals himself to them, and he instructs them uh, in how they ought to love him and love their neighbor um, under that relationship. And then um, Paul, and he affirms that by saying that he calls the Gentiles those who are not under the law. But then he makes a qualification. He says, when I say I'm not under the law, i.e. the old covenant, what I don't mean to say is that I am um, not, he says, I'm not under the law. But when I say that, I'm not saying I'm outside the law of God, but I'm under the law of Christ. So what he's trying to say is I'm not under the old covenant. But it doesn't mean that I am not um that I am outside 
of any moral obligations to God and his righteousness, which is another way that the law is referred to as well. Right. And he says that in that sense, I am under the law of Christ, which is to say the law, you know, of love, which is, you know, to love God and to love your neighbor. And now the question is, how do we appropriate um, God's command to love God and neighbor under the old covenant with the new covenant? Because when the Pharisees asked Jesus, what is the greatest commandment? He said, the greatest commandment is this, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is likewise, to love your neighbor as yourself. And on these hang all the law and the prophets. So all of the moral obligations of God's people in the old covenant were summed up as loving God and loving your neighbor. So the the highest command to love God and neighbor was fleshed out in many ways. All of the old covenant laws, the, the the from the you know the cleansing to the sacrificial, the ceremonial, all of it is a way that we express love for God and neighbor. So the question though is, well, Christians are still called to love God and neighbor. Does that mean we're called to do everything commanded in the old covenant verbatim? And the answer is no. And the analogy I give is like um, sex. So the way you know something is right or wrong, or what is right and wrong, depends upon the nature of the relationship. Sex is something where outside of the covenant of marriage, it actually isn't right. It's actually wrong. It's, it's fornication. But inside the covenant of marriage, it's actually not only good, it's required. Um, let the husband and wife, let them not come apart as... Uh, as Paul teaches. So how did the same thing go from being wrong one day, literally like one minute to the next minute, it's okay? Well, it's because the nature of the covenant, the nature of the relationship. So we can't, we'd have to do a whole episode on this, on on the principles that help us to interpret. But basically the task is to say, what from the Old Testament as an expression of God's righteousness and justice, which it is, is still required as a means of loving God and loving our neighbor today. What is it? Um, Obviously, we don't have to um, offer animals to be sacrificed because that's not required as an act of love towards God because Christ has been offered once for all. Um, And you could say that for basically all of the temple ceremonies. Yeah, all of the ceremonies. Which are all fulfilled in... In his uh... well, all of the law was fulfilled in Jesus, um, not just the civil and ceremonial. All of it was fulfilled in Jesus, and then you know Christians have thought that basically what we're trying to say related to this conversation is that the same justice and righteousness that is enshrined in the Old Testament is the, is the standard by which we live today, mm. and we need to think through how does this apply. Um, to us today in and through Christ. But a lot of Christians too quickly say something like, it's almost like there's no moral obligations on Christians or uh, we don't need to think about justice because that was the Old Testament. Um, Mm -hmm. No, God hasn't changed. His righteousness hasn't changed. We need to think through as those who are in a new relationship to him through Jesus Christ, um, how, how does that Righteousness and love and justice manifest itself. Right. Which is a tricky question. It is tricky, but we don't get out of it just by saying, no, it's all gone. Oh, of course of course right? not. And 
like Jeremiah 31, the, the description of the new covenant is the, the law is now written on our hearts. Yeah. Which doesn't sound to me like we're not supposed to obey it. No, and Paul says, <laughs> you know, <laughs> Paul says all scripture is God breathed. Yeah. And he's actually thinking of and the and, and profitable. Yeah. And he's thinking of primarily the old covenant. I, I want to read something from Matthew 15, um, verses 1 through, let's just go 1 through 6. Uh, then Pharisees and scribes came to Jesus from Jerusalem and said, Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? For they do not wash their hands when they eat. He answered them, And why do you break the commandment of God for the sake of your tradition? For God commanded, Honor your father and mother. And whoever reviles father or mother must surely die. But you say, if anyone tells his father or his mother, what you would have gained for me is given to God. He need not honor his father. So for the sake of your tradition, you have made void the word of God. Mm -hmm. Uh, Jesus is carrying over just the basic commandment to honor your father and your mother. Which he does in Ephesians. Paul does in Ephesians That's exactly right. And and that supersedes any of your traditions, and it carries over into the new covenant. Mm -hmm. So that's... um, one there was another one interesting too this is a, a linguistic note the word for obey in the old testament is the is the same word as the word to hear mm. so deuteronomy 6 hear o israel the lord our god the lord is one that hear that's the same word uh, as they would use to obey and I mean, we have a saying in english to to hear is to obey mm. right there's there's an analogy there i think mm mm-hmm. mm mm-hmm. Um, Luke 6, where is it? 46. Uh, and eh, maybe I'll read, I'll, I'll just keep reading until it stops making sense. <laughs> Luke six forty six. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? Everyone who comes to me and hears my word, so there's that here. I know this is Greek, but he's, he's hearkening back to the Shema there, right? And hears my words and does them. I will show you what he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And so what is it we're supposed to be doing? What, what is it that, that the New Testament writers are defining as sin when they talk about sinning yeah. um, or righteousness, right? It's not just some new... Uh, new law that's sort of sprung up out of nowhere that's completely unhitched from the Old Testament, mm-hmm. right? It's based on that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the righteousness of God enshrined. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, that's a whole other, a uh, whole other show. But yeah. maybe we can get to some of the more uh, theological issues surrounding justification. And, and um, mm-hmm. we talked before uh, about um, how how we have a hard time as humans, understanding how God could punish sin. Yeah. But we don't have a hard time in our minds understanding how we could forgive. So maybe you could expand on that a little yeah, bit. Yeah, well, the uh, Romans three twenty one to 26 is a great passage. It talks about the justice and the righteousness of God. And um, I'll just read it and make some comments. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. So that is to say, apart from the Old Covenant. Although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, all the scriptures, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God 
put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. So the the Paul says out Paul says as well that there's none righteous, no not one, no one does good. So the problem of humanity, if we talk about justice, there are no just people. Mm-hmm. There are no righteous people. And the glory of the gospel is that God has manifest his his own righteousness um, and this time through Jesus Christ, specifically in the fact that Christ is willing to bear up under the consequences of our sin, bear the weight of our sin, to be the wrath-averting sacrifice um, in our place uh, so that we might be given the righteousness of God or become mm-hmm. the righteousness of God. And his righteousness is accredited to us. But this raises a question. If God is righteous and just, why doesn't he punish? Mm-hmm. And 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 this is not a... Most modern... What, what are we now? Are we modern? I don't know what we are. Contemporary yeah. people. <laughs> contemporary people think it's wrong that a God of love could be a God of justice. But that is what privileged people say. That is not what people who have suffered say. That's not someone who's had a mob show up outside their door to drag a family member outside and hang them up. People don't say that. People who have been to concentration camps don't say that. They don't say stupid things like, how could a God of love punish evil? In the Bible, God's justice is, amongst other things, an upholding of the value of the victim. Which is why it says that if you shed a man's blood, by man shall your blood be shed. An eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. This isn't actually callous or indifferent. This is this is um, just. And what it's doing is saying that everyone's life is of equal value. Yeah. So if we are all unjust, and if we all deserve punishment, uh, condemnation for our injustice, you know, how is God just to just overlook that? Right. Which is. Uh, which is what you have in Islam, yeah. Right. There's no there's no sacrifice, no right. propitiation. You have a God that doesn't even weigh the scales. But even if he did, there's no payment for the sin. Yeah. Right. It's just it is capricious yes. in that sense. It's like okay. I mean, what would we think? I've you've heard Paul Washer use this uh, metaphor. What would you think if if your uh, say your wife had been violated and you went to court? And the man who did it is is in the dock, and the and the judge just says, "I'm going to be gracious today, so I'm going to let you go." Yeah, that's not that's that's evil. Yeah, right. That's a an abdication of responsibility. Yeah, and justice. And so that's that's what we're wrestling with with God. It's like, how is God able to forgive our sins? Yeah, and that's what Paul anticipates, and he goes on to say. Um, this was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance, he had passed over former sins. So God was not being indifferent, callous, uh, ignorant of sin in the past and injustice. He was He was forbearing. He was passing it over. Um, it was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be the just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. And so the tension is that God is just, and yet he is a God of steadfast love and faithfulness, and He wants he's not willing that any should perish, but that all would come to faith and repentance. So how does he remedy this? Well, he, in the person of his Son, offers up his own life in the place of unjust sinners that they might be forgiven. He shows that I am not indifferent to injustice. I do punish 
sin and evil, but I am willing to bear that cost myself so that I can actually justify, count as righteous people who are not without making it look as though I don't care about the evil that they've done. I do. And one day, the final judgment, God actually will. Yep. He will, you know, thence return to judge the living and the dead, as the Apostles' Creed says. And Jesus will met out justice, yep. which according to scripture isn't just punishment. We use it that way. It's not. It's actually giving to each what they are owed. But that could be positive. That's why he says do justice. And he actually talks about the fatherless and the widow. Well, it means to treat others according to how God says they ought to be treated, to give them what they are owed. So to do justice might mean punishing someone, but it might mean um, providing for someone as well. Right, right. So that's, that's you know, we wanted to make sure we got there. Like, this is what the social justice movement misses. It yeah. misses grace. It misses an atonement. It misses a lot of things. Yeah, and it it misses the fact that all these sins will be paid for. Yeah. Eventually. Yeah. But they don't have an eternal view, right? No. All that, all that is is matter. And so there's there's no afterlife. There's uh, basically every sin needs to be punished in the here and now. Yeah. Well, sinners need to be destroyed. Yeah. Yeah, and there's there is you're right. There's no grace. No, justice looks like a mountain of bodies that we trample over to get towards something better. And uh, there's no grace, there's no forgiveness, there's no atonement, there's no change and transformation, there's no hope at all. Mm. And uh, we Christians, we reject that. You know, it's a, it's an affront to God and His righteousness. It is wicked and, you know, it's harmful to people. We've seen this ideology play out in many ways, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, this is just Marxist 101, that led to under the uh, under the equality and justice talk came the gulags. Yep. You know, this is nothing new under the sun. Yep. But it's important, maybe I'll wrap up my pontifications by saying Christians need to care about this. Um Christians need to not be indifferent to injustice. Christians need to not avoid it because some crazies hijack the term. Uh, we need to care. We need to care that Pastor Tim Absolutely. is in prison. We need to pray for him. And we need to long for justice and righteousness. We need to stand for justice and righteousness, especially because it affects the oppressed and the vulnerable. Uh, we need to not just engage when it, you know, when we are impacted. We need to live righteously and advocate. Yeah, definitely. I didn't really have too much more to add. But uh, maybe I'll just leave with this. Um, This is from Ezekiel 18. And uh, this is, I'd say this is uh, valid words to a prideful culture. You know, prideful people like like you and I who sometimes think that we know best, Mm -hmm. that our ways are better than God's ways. But God asks the people of Israel, Yet you say, the way of the Lord is not just. Hear now, O house of Israel, is my way not just? Is it not your ways that are not just? And he goes on to to explain why that is. But um, the complaint is that the people were uh, slandering God and saying that he was not just. Mm. And he's saying, listen, 
you guys don't even, <laughs> you have no idea, you know. Yes. You know, they were wanting to uh, punish the children for the sins of the father and that sort of thing. And God mm-hmm. says, that's unjust. Mm-hmm. My ways are just. So mm-hmm. we need to strive for that. We need to strive to make sure our definitions are biblically based, mm-hmm. not culturally based, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. especially in this area right now. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. But we continue to pray for the Stevens family and hey, maybe there'll be a miracle. Yeah, we um, pray for that. But either way, God's way, uh, God's uh, God's plan is going to happen. <laughs> the word of God is not bound. That's right. And uh, I mean, can't imagine what's going on in that prison right now. Maybe mm-hmm. there's a revival breaking out. Mm-hmm. We pray for that too. Right? Either way, the Lord is being honored. Yeah, yeah. For Alex and I, we'll see you next time on Dominion Podcast, episode twenty-two.